morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence today and every day that you allow us to walk with you. And we thank you that you're doing new things here at St. Michael's and in the church around the world, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we praise you this morning. confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God the still inside the storm the promise of the shore I trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place beyond when I walk through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. You keep the promises you made.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known. And from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together the Colette. Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples. To the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The children would come forward. We'll pray for them. There you are. You win. <laughs> hey, buddy. Nice crowd. All right. Excellent. If you would all reach out your hands and pray with me as we pray for these young people. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would fill their hearts and minds with knowledge of you. Lord, give them wisdom and courage and strength all their days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning's first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, verse 1, commencing. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were honed, to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation. For law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the people's. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. My righteousness will not be abolished. This is, this is the word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 138. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the God, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. And made me bold to strengthen my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. When they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For the praise is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of the wicked. 
The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This morning's New Testament reading is from Romans 12, 1 through 8. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are reading from Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. So I saw a movie Friday night. It's like, well, it was like more like Saturday morning, I guess. It was late. It was like 11, 10, three-hour movie. They're like, oh, don't worry, no previews. So we're all sitting there and we're like, okay, good, no previews. We can see the movie 30 minutes earlier because usually, as you know, an 11:10 showtime means an 11:40 movie, right? And so we're so excited, and then it's 11:15, and it's just a black screen, and then it's 11:20, and it's just a black screen, and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the guy comes out. He goes, "Well, we aren't showing the previews because we happen to be seeing this movie in film, and they couldn't fit the previews on the film reel. But don't worry, 
we'll start the movie at the exact time it would have started if we had seen the previews. <laughs> and we're sitting there looking at each other like, what the heck is going on? And so I say all that because it has so much to do with my sermon. No, uh, I say all that because the movie I saw, Oppenheimer, was interesting. <laughs> I'm not here today to say you should all go out and watch Oppenheimer. I'm not here to say that. But I do want to say something that jumped out of the movie at me as I was watching it. And it has to do with a theme that we've visited a few times over the past few months about the impact of the Christian ideas, the Christian worldview, the Bible on the world. Because if you just watch Oppenheimer in our modern context and you're like, you see the wrestling of all the scientists with the idea that they're creating a nuclear bomb that can destroy tens of thousands of lives, hundreds of thousands of lives in an instant. And they're really wrestling with it the whole film. And it's, it's part of what makes the film so good is watching this, uh, this war between the brilliance of the idea, the inventiveness of the idea and the horror of the idea. Now, he actually quotes uh, Sanskrit, you know, famously Oppenheimer quotes a really old, you know, uh, it would have been a Babylonian poem in Sanskrit that basically says, I've become death, the destroyer of worlds. And once again, you're all thinking, okay, what does this have to do with what we read this morning in our sermon this morning? Well, there's this idea in there. Could you imagine for a second Jesus is walking the earth. He's been crucified. His followers are now being horribly killed and murdered, hunted down. And you give Nero, and he's got this guy, Hero of Alexandria, who's inventing all this stuff. And he travels into the Roman capital. And he says, hey, Nero, guess what? Well, actually, he says it in Latin, so it goes something like this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know enough Latin for that. He says, I have a device that will completely obliterate your enemies. That will, in an instant, without any ability of them to defend it, it will wipe out any city that you want. Can you imagine for a second any Roman emperor, Nero is a great one to use, saying, that sounds awful. How could you possibly kill that many people? You can't. You can't imagine somebody pre-Jesus, pre-Christian impact on the world turning down the opportunity to demolish their enemies. And so I was watching this movie, and afterwards, as I've been thinking about it the past couple of days, I was just thinking about the fact that we are all so shaped. Even this guy Oppenheimer, who is not a Christian, right? He's not going to church on Sunday and hearing sermons, but the entire world has been changed by the evidence of one man. That is Jesus laying down his life, dying, not just for his friends, but for his enemies. And that radical concept, that radical idea is what Paul is talking about in his letter to the Romans. Because all of the people that he's writing to are in this Roman culture. This Roman culture that literally, if you had a deformed baby, you'd just leave it in the woods. You would not think twice about sending people to their death for offending you. You wouldn't think twice about having the power to destroy a city. You would jump at the opportunity. And there's something that Paul is trying to affect in his people is we are living in a new world. That's why in Romans chapter 8, he talks about how the love of God is so powerful that there is nothing that can separate you from it. That's why he says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 
there's forgiveness. He's trying to explain in this letter how the grace of God works in the lives of his hearers because it was so foreign. Even the Jews who converted had to understand that when Jesus came, everything was understood in a new light. The idea that God is love, fully, truly, and he's not spiteful. He's actually on your side. He actually values each person in this room. And not just values like, oh, they're pretty cool. No, he loves you. He wants what's best for you. He's on your side. He's working for you, whether you work for him or not. He wants your benefit. That idea is what Paul's talking about when we get into chapter, Romans chapter 12, which is what we're talking about this morning. An idea that radically changed the world. And he just finished explaining some of the technical ideas within that, the theology of it. And he gets to Romans 12, and he's like, okay, I've explained the mercy of God. I've shown you how good he is. Now I'm going to tell you how to live under that revelation. And so we're going to start there in Romans chapter 12. That's a little background as to what Paul was saying. And then he leads right into this. 12 verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of of God. When he says the mercies of God, he's saying, I've spent this whole letter trying to tell you what that means in your life. That you are chosen. You are forgiven. You are welcomed. Not just to be slaves to a new religion, but to be sons of God, heirs of the kingdom. And so he says, if that's true, then do this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of Mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, when you think about a living sacrifice, I I used to when I was young. I don't know if this shocks any of you, but I had a bit of a savior complex when I was younger. And I used to constantly fantasize. Well, maybe not constantly, but it was pretty frequent. Fantasize about what I would do if like, you know, a bad guy came around, he was going to shoot somebody. And like, I don't really like that girl, but I'm a hero. So I'm going to jump in front of her and take the bullet, you know? And I used to think sometimes really detailed, or I'm going to push this child out of the way of the speeding bus. And I'm going to be, and everybody's just going to be like worshiping at my bed. Like, wow, you're so great. In the hospital, I wake up. It's like silly things, right? And they were Let me just say, I understand the megalomania that is embedded within this, right? But there was an idea that what you were willing to die for defined who you were. Somewhere in there, I had this idea, man, what you're willing to die for. But Paul takes it further. He says what you're willing to live for is more important than what you're willing to die for. You may die, it says, for a friend. That maybe, maybe it could happen. But Christ died for his enemies. In order to do that, you have to actually live differently. You have to actually live for God. So when he says a living sacrifice, that's a much higher uh, goal than I'm going to go and die for a cause. In fact, we've seen throughout history people dying for all sorts of crazy causes. We haven't seen all that often people living fully, sacrificially for God. There are examples. There are saints that we should look up to and be encouraged by. I've met people that I'm just in awe of how they live their lives, how they think. Because they've found 
They've been transformed in such a way that they actually every day are living from this idea that I am in my life a living sacrifice for God. So how do we do this, right? We're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Well, let's explain a little further. How do you do this? You start with verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Or another translation of the word world is this age. Do not be conformed to this age, this world. I want to take the age idea in here. The world idea works great too. It's, It's communicating the same idea. But in our world, in this age, we have a prevailing spirit of self-interest. In fact, our patriarch a couple weeks ago was talking about it. He said, you've got, you know, self-help, self-care, self-interest, all of these things that are centered on the self. But the problem is uh, when you make everything about what you're doing, how you're feeling, what you think, what I want, when all of that happens, you lose focus. And the patriarch even pointed out, he said, your reality becomes what's going on here. Because you're so self-focused. And what Paul's saying is you've got to look outside of yourself. Because when you're conformed to the world, the patterns of your life, the thoughts that you have, the feelings you have are are self-centric. The entire dichotomy between the Christ kingdom and the world can be summarized as Christ-centered and self-centered. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something, let me tell you. You can't live your life without dedicating yourself to something. It's as clear as possible in the worst-case scenarios, like in cases of addiction or unbelievable greed. You've got Ebenezer Scrooge, right? We love that character. We love that character because we see ourselves in him and we see the transformation that can happen even to somebody who has dedicated his life to worshiping the acquisition of wealth, worshiping money. And yet by the end of it, he's seeing other people. His whole life was like this. And he goes through this miraculous experience where he sees the ghost of past, present, and future, and it opens his eyes to see everyone around him. That's what being not conformed to this world is about. It's about opening our eyes to see the people, what God's doing in the world. In fact, some of us are so transformed by this that we even get lost reading the Bible from the lens of self, right? I thought about this the other day, right? Somebody, they're trying to get to their appointment and they get a flat tire and then their Starbucks coffee is cold and this, all this stuff is happening. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it with my friends tonight because I don't have enough money to go to the bar to hang out with them. And, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it's like, I'm exaggerating here, but sometimes we read the Bible that way. What was Paul talking about when he wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? He means I can spread the gospel even if they beat me and put me in chains. He wasn't talking about his happiness, his comfort, his fulfillment. But we read the Bible in the morning and we're like, behold, the lines have been drawn for me in pleasant places. Oh God, give me your pleasant places. We're reading it from a lens that it was never meant to read for. Do you know where God's pleasant places are? Out there, 
doing what he has called you to do. When God guides you, he leads you to a purpose. He put you here, every one of you, for a purpose. And when you follow him along that, you, you empty yourself, just like Christ, right? We have that image of Christ emptying himself and becoming as one of us. When you empty yourself of your self-interest, you get filled with the love of God. There is nothing that will stand against you. That's what we read in our gospel, right? When we get a church that, God, that has been founded on the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that the crucified one is our model for how we should live in the world, when you have a church founded on that, the gates of Hades will not stand against it. Amen? And let me be clear, we also sometimes preach this way. I get, a lot, I get, I get into this pattern, too, of saying, you can have a better life, you can have a better life, you can have a better life. But it's really about us. Right? We can have a better life. I want you to be better so that we can be better. So the body of Christ can reveal him to the earth. Let's not be so self-centered, self-focused, conformed to this world, the spirit of the age. Let's break free. Okay. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I just want you to know there's a war going on. And I'm not talking about the one in Ukraine and Russia. I'm talking bigger. I'm talking a war for the hearts of men. A war that's been going on for as long as there's been humans, there's been a war for the hearts of men. And so when we look at this, how is the battle fought? Well, the battle is most often fought between your ears and what you think and what you believe and that self-talk, that uh, thing that goes on in your mind. So when Paul's targeting this, he's saying your mind needs to be transformed because that's the path to your heart. It's all connected. And so if you're thinking constantly like, oh, nobody loves me. I'm so bad. I'm, I just mess this up and I mess up thing after thing after thing. It's going to be really hard for the love of God to get through that to your heart. But Paul's saying there is a way. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Well, how is your mind to be transformed? That could be books. Lots of books have been written on that. Let me just say one thing that I think we all could benefit from. What if every day before you started your day, you took five minutes and you said, God, what do you want me to do today? Where are you in my day? What would you have for me today? And thank you, God, for your goodness. If all you did was that, you've started the warfare for your mind. You've begun by inviting God to be your focus. Now, I'm not saying that solves all your problems. Man, I forgot to, you know, I didn't do my five minutes this morning. That's why I'm being so mean to my boss or my friend or my wife. It's like, no, 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 right? That's, it's not a magic bullet. This is just a tip. That maybe helps you think about what needs to happen in order for us to be transformed. What if our entire way of thinking revolved around the goodness of God, the love of God, the purposes of God? This is one way that you can maybe help yourself begin in that direction. And the best news in the world is that you are not doing this on your own. In fact, when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, he might have been talking a lot more about this stuff. 
It seems in the context that he was talking about his attitude. He said, I have learned to be content in all things because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we need to have our mind focused correctly. Like I said, there's a great war between Christ-centered and self-centered. And it's up here. It's also out there, but it starts up here. You can start to change up here. And while you're doing that five minutes and you're thinking about God, He will be working in you. It's not a mental exercise. Like Dune is a great sci-fi movie and it's a great sci-fi series. I really enjoy it. But it's a lot of what you can do up here. And we can forget because we're watching all these movies or we're reading all these things. And we can start to think like, yeah, I'm going to be a mental ninja. Like I'm going to be so strong in my mind that the devil can't get in. How about I'm going to rest on the goodness of God. And I'm going to trust his work in me. And I'm going to try and cooperate and be a part of what he's doing in me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When your mind is transformed, you can actually know what is good and acceptable and perfect. I was thinking about this. There was a time where a peasant would be eating with a wooden spoon. And somebody came and said, you should have a lead spoon. This is so much better than that wood spoon. And everybody said, yes, we need to be eating and drinking out of lead, not wood. It's so much better. Nowadays, we look back and we're like, what? That is an awful idea. They couldn't discern what was good and acceptable and perfect in that moment. They were blind. I think that that is the case for us a lot of the time. That we actually don't see what is good Without the help of God, without being transformed in the renewing of our mind, without taking a second to stop and uh, pray, stop and discern. You see this most often in advertising. Because there's a billion people in the world whose sole job is to make you buy the lead spoon. And how are you, one person, going to resist that? The pull of advertisement and messaging. Well, it's by the Holy Spirit. You know, back in Rome when he was writing this, there was many people who were trying to get the Christians to be on their side. There were temples and markets and uh, governments who were coercing people to believe this way, do this thing. They needed God to discern what was good and acceptable and perfect. But when I think of myself as something that Let me just tell you, I struggle with this. John, Jonathan Edwards said, we always do what we desire to do the most. And I'm going to take it this way, because I think, yes, we can be totally blind to what is good. But the harder part is we can know what is good and choose to do the bad, right? And so when Jonathan Edwards say we do what we desire to do most, somebody might say, well, you know, I got mugged the other day at gunpoint. This didn't happen. This is a hypothetical. But imagine this case where you're getting mugged at gunpoint. Do you want to give that man your wallet? No, you don't. But you gave them the wallet. I gave it to him against my will, we might say. 
I'm going to postulate something a little bit different and track with me, not to get too psychological, but I think you wanted to live more than you wanted to not give that man your wallet. And so when we look at sin in our life, at midnight and you're driving home from a long day and the in and out sign is there and you desire that double cheeseburger and that milkshake and the french fries with the animal style and the cheese. I mean, I could go on and on. You have these desires that pull you. The reason we need to be transformed in our mind is so that the desire, you know, to remember this body is a temple. Right? I mean, I'm just kidding a little bit. I do think how we use that phrase is a little bit funky. But there are times where, yes, get the double-double, get the milkshake. Absolutely. There are times when that is good and acceptable and perfect. But how are you going to know if you aren't transformed and renewing of your mind? And even if you think, I probably shouldn't be doing this, how are you going to desire the good versus the bad? Because going home and not eating anything at midnight is so much less compelling than eating double cheeseburgers and milkshakes in that moment. Also, I hope you like We Change Our Computer. This is to help you visualize the spirit world. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, This is a screensaver that we will fix, and I'm so sorry about that. Um, Either way, what I'm trying to say is, knowing what is good and acceptable and perfect is actually harder than we make it out to be. We tend to think that life is very clear. I know what I'm doing. I know what is good. I know what is acceptable, and I know what is perfect. And yet we don't live that way. So what's going on? Our mind and our heart, that connection, gets crowded with bad beliefs, gets crowded with bad desires. We train ourselves to want the bad and reject the good. And so we need to be undone. We need to have all of our life submitted to the goodness of God. And that takes transformation. You're just not smart enough. You need to be transformed by his Holy Spirit that he can make you that person like Jesus who wanted to do what God wanted so much that he was willing to go to the cross. If all we ever do is what we desire to do most, then Jesus on the cross was actually what he wanted to do on that Friday. He submitted his desire and empowered by the Holy Spirit endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, we're told. So I'm going to endure not going through the in and out drive through when the Holy Spirit told me it was a bad idea and my doctor told me it was a bad idea and my wife told me it's a bad idea. And I'm going to, for the joy that is set before me, take care of this temple body. Because God wants to set us free. A lot of the times we can read this passage, you need to be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Like, get yourself together. It's like, no, because you're in chains. Don't you want to be like galloping through the woods and the forest with freedom? Like, our ideas of freedom can be really twisted. Let me just tell you. Don't you want to be leading your family from a place of freedom? Don't you want to be working in your job as submitted to the Lord in a place of freedom, not weighed down by resentment and guilt and shame and anger and deceit? I want that life. God, transform me in the renewing of my mind. We're going to end here, but I promised myself I would at least read this verse so you guys knew I was aware of it. Uh, chapter sorry, 12, verse 3 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, in Paul's thinking, this starts a new whole thing. And so we don't have time to go there today. But I just want you to know, I am aware that we aren't supposed to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. That is a joke, but I want to get to a really good point about this. When you are transformed in the renewing of your mind, you neither think of yourself as the cool kid on the block, nor as the worthless person that doesn't matter. But you think of yourself with sober judgment. And if you've transformed your mind, like I said, to focus on God and the love of God, then it's really hard to get arrogant. But if you focus your mind on the goodness and the love of God, it's really hard to be insecure. Now, this is a process. But I want to end here because I want to say it's about you and us and the world. Everyone needs to know that they are called, chosen, valued, loved, and they are wicked sinners in need of Christ. And so we need to know that. If everybody else needs to know that, don't you know we need to know that? And so I'm here to remind you, take a moment and think about the goodness of God. It'll do something in you when you invite him to change you, to transform you. And you'll start winning that war. Now, we have the victory, but as Father Powell's fond of saying, there's no guarantee that I, in particular, get to survive. We have the victory, but we're fighting it out in the world. And you have a purpose. There are people who need you, need you to win the war in your mind. Amen? The Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with Jehovah to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. With the Father and the Son together is glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Therefore, let us bring our requests before him. 
for the church that she will boldly proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the whole world. Lord, in your mercy, for the patriarch, that he will have the wisdom, favor, and anointing of the Holy Spirit in all his endeavors. Lord, in your mercy, for world leaders, that they will place the needs of all their people before any personal gain. Lord, in your mercy, for those who have participated in abortion, infanticide, or euthanasia, that they will repent and find the forgiveness of of God, which is offered in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. For those praying for wayward children, that they will be persistent in prayer and trust that God will hear and answer them. Lord, in your mercy. For the conversion of Islam and other world religions and philosophies that are in opposition to the word of God. Lord, in your mercy. For those who have lost loved ones, that they will be comforted by the promises of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. God of infinite love and wisdom, hear our prayer and give us the grace to offer ourselves up to you as a living and holy sacrifice. Not thinking more of ourselves than we ought, but serving one another in love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Turn greet your neighbor with this peace and love of Christ. announcements I want to talk to you uh, this morning. September is getting busy. We just had back to school, great beginning of our uh, school year with students and with teachers and new teachers. So thanks be to God. appreciate all your prayers on that one. Coming up, let's see, what next weekend is Labor Day weekend. Yes. And it's what happens after that where all the announcements are, and that is a fire night is the Wednesday after Labor Day. So put that on your calendar. Praise Dance is starting this Sunday after Labor Day. Uh, there's a, we have a 50-year anniversary of the founding of this church, 50 years, 1973. And we're having our potluck for St. Michael's Feast on September 24th. Mm-hmm. So, men, that means on the 23rd, we got some cleaning up to do. <laughs> so be here for the men's meeting the day before that. It will be great. You'll want to be there. And there's a movie night planned for September 29th. That one I haven't seen. Do we have a who do we contact on that one if we have questions? And that would be... I want to say Bethany. Yes, okay, good. Yeah, if you got questions about it, do that. Now, one more thing, right? We have all these announcements, and there's actually an email that goes out every week. And maybe you're getting it, and maybe you're not. If you want to, you should do something. 
How do we do that? You go to St. Michael's, mystmichaels.com, and you click on connect. And you just put your info in there. There might be a little blurb that says, like, you can write whatever you want. You can just say, put me on the list or put me on the email list. <laughs> we will take care of you. We've got people to put that all together. Amen. I've been looking at those emails, and they're fantastic, really helpful. You want to be on the list. And my email always goes to my junk folder. <laughs> so check your junk check folder. Your you junk might folder. already be getting it. And that's all I know. I think that's it for now. <laughs> Let's pray for the offering. <clears throat> Ascribe to the Lord the honor due his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Your love's not passive 
right here. It comes to the focus every opportunity as you come and you receive the body and blood of Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you call us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory. And we join in their unending hymn of praise.
Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending God your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death that he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise and gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly, we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our clergy. Remember, especially those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body, the least, the lost, and the lonely. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. You made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we're bold to pray. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Mm -hmm. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Body of Christ. Amen.
Well, we have this beautiful young couple with us from uh, Apple Valley, and uh, they're celebrating, what, 44 years of marriage? So, so right after the service, I want you to come up, and I want to just uh, anoint you with oil and pray for another 44 years. <laughs> come on. It's all about faith today, right? Okay. It's promise. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve it with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Indeed, thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who want to do the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And best of all, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Amen.